Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Follen. Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, award-winning cloud accounting software loved and trusted by over 60,000 freelancers and small businesses. Try it yourself for free for a month by going to freeagent.com slash beingfreelance. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for cartoonist Sarah Steenland. You're basically having to make it up as you go because... We're a family of four. We live on a boat. We change countries quite a lot. It's just basically winging it the whole time. So when we're on land, I'm, I'm, I'm very productive with work. And when we're traveling, it's just like, you just don't know what's, what's around the corner, literally. It's just like, you got the wind in your face, there's waves and I can't work. You get seasick. Like if I see someone put something up on Twitter and I think it's funny and I, I have an idea in my head, like, you know, response to their post, I will take time and draw it out and then send it to them. And, it, you know, it's not like thousands of people will see it, but just like one person will see it and then there's that connection. So it's sort of like, I think I found that the personal connection has been like very, very effective for me. Yes, so there is Sarah, who I've been trying to get on the podcast for literally years because I always knew it would be a great story because Sarah, while she might have spent most of her life living in Brisbane in Australia, currently lives on a boat. Her and her family are digital nomads, but like no other digital nomad that I've heard of because they sail around, you know, around all the various islands um, that aren't that far from Australia, really, you know, all around Asia and she works from her iPad and has a successful, amazing, <laughs> inspirational freelance career to boot. It's it's a great story. As ever, there are links through to what Sarah is up to at beingfreelance.com. Make sure you've hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the vlog, which is like me documenting my own freelance life. So the videos, the articles, everything is at beingfreelance.com. And it's always great to hear from you as well. So if you want to reach out to me, or to Sarah in this instance as this week's guest, uh, then please do uh, on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Anyway, let's crack on, shall we? <laughs> the reason we're doing this now is because it's obviously, as Sarah sails around, very difficult to get hold of her. But I suddenly noticed, because I signed up to her email newsletter and where you get a cartoon. Anyway, I signed up to it years ago and I happened to notice that she was currently on dry land back in Australia. And I was like, yes, finally, come we speak. And she was like, yes, OK, let's do this. So let's crack on with this one and chat to freelance cartoonist Sarah Steenland. Hey, Sarah. Hey, how are you going? I'm good. Where are you currently? That's probably what I should have said. Uh, in Queensland. It's actually pretty cold here at the moment. We're not used to it because we've, we've pretty much had a, a continual summer for about four years now, wow. I think. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's get into that. How First of all, though, like, how did you get started being freelance? I've pretty much always worked for myself anyway since leaving school. I was originally going to go into um, illustration when I was about 18. Studied that for a year and it was, it was, it was kind of like a little bit of a, a disappointment in a lot of ways because there wasn't a lot of positivity in that arena at, the, at that time because, uh, you know, the internet was sort of just getting started and, and everyone was like, oh, there's, there's going to be no jobs for illustrators. And, and it was quite um, 
you know, a bit of a, a downer. There was no excitement about it and it was like we went on visits to book publishing places and they're like you know they're basically trying to get us to change our mind on on in you know going down that line <laughs> um which was yeah it was quite it was, it was a bit strange I was like you know this is this is what I want to do I want you know I want to draw for a living but there was just no <laughs> inspiration at the time and and I sort of had to rethink because my family were in construction I thought, well, how could I utilise that background? You know, my dad used to work at home, so it was it was always like a familiar industry for me. And um, I saw an ad- advertising um, commercial on TV about interior design, and I just went, oh, okay, I'll I'll just go and do that because it's creative and and I could you know get work from my my father through his construction company. I did that for ten years, freelancing. I married a builder, <laughs> so, you know, we continued to build houses and I designed and decorated and, and did all the creative stuff to do with construction. And then when the GFC hit, we got hit quite hard with that and, you know, it didn't quite work out and basically we had to sell everything and um, we ended up living on my husband's father's boat because uh, we had nowhere else to go. Yeah, basically everything just got completely uh, turned upside down with our lives. I thought, well, do I really want to keep doing this? Like, is this actually, it was kind of like, you know, that that time in your life where you question everything and like, you know, what's what's this all about? Like, oh, you know, we, we work hard and, and then this happens. And, and then so I thought, well, should I just try and find out, you know, if I can get back into what I originally loved and wanted to do in the first place, which was uh, drawing and cartooning. So I, I basically dropped everything and, and started to go on the internet and, and work out how I could do it as a profession. Wow. So when you said, did you say for GFC hit, is that like the, mm. the 2008-9 recession type time or is there something I don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It was it was actually it was actually towards the end of it. Like so we we had we were going we were just scraping by and, and trading out of it. Um and it was just like one thing that just was, you know, the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back. We, you know, banks they you know, they're like when everything's going well, it's like, yeah, yeah, have money and then have more money and then it you know, when they want it back when times are tough and you're like, well, all you need is one building because uh, we used to build houses and sell them. And, um, you know, if you don't sell that one yeah. uh, quick enough, then it's just like, <laughs> you know, it can just Jeez. be devastating. Yeah. So anyway, we ended up you know, having to sell everything. Um, I think it was 2011. And, you know, at the time, of course, it was like, oh, you know, this is the worst you know, because you sort of expect, like we were, we were actually doing very well um, at the time. We had properties and um, lots of goals that we were really striving for. And because we, our initial goal was to go cruising with a boat, um, but we thought that you had to make all this money and have all these things that are going to make money for you. So you can go and retire early and take off. So uh, we had a block of land that we're going to build storage sheds on so they would 
you know, that was like income, um, passive income and uh, just, the, you know, stuff like that we were setting up. And, and then when that's all taken off you, you're just like, okay, um, what, what do we do now? <laughs> like it's a, you know, we worked, we worked our asses off and like, you know, we, we were just so driven um, since, because we met quite early. Um, I was 19 and, and we built our first house by the time I was 21. Basically, you know, without bragging, um, we, we were pretty much millionaires by the time I was 22. And so we, we were, you know, just like so ambitious and, and you, you sort of think that, you know, at that point um, the building industry was just going crazy in Australia and people just were buying houses, like we're building them and they were just getting bought, you know, three days after you, you put them on the market. Um, so you just sort of think, you know, everything you touch is like it turns to gold and you just like when it all fails, you're like, how did, you know, what happened? <laughs> so. So yeah, I I did a lot of soul searching and um, and kind of thought you know um, when when we lived when we moved onto the boat because we had like a huge house and like loads and loads of stuff and the kids had heaps of toys you know we had to sell it all and it was like just sort of like stripping everything back to the basics so it was sort of like okay it sucks but it was also a cleansing experience that that we kind of realised like hey, we actually don't need a lot. Uh, living on the boat was, uh, and it was a very, very small boat that we moved on to. You know, we had no TV, nothing, just just a toilet and a tiny little kitchen and a, and a couple of beds. <laughs> and well, at the time, because it was like, oh, yeah, this is terrible. And then it was like, actually, no, it's actually really great because <laughs> we can, you know, like we can go, we can go over and you know, take off on the weekends, um, on the, on, you know, go and play on the islands and, and, uh, and everything was like a lot simpler and we connected a lot more as a family. That's when I realized that, you know, we don't need a lot. And then also it was actually quite affordable living on the boat as well. So, um, instead of us, uh, like a lot of people were saying to us like, oh, you can, you can build yourselves back up again. No problem. You guys are so driven and driven and resourceful. You'll be, you know, millionaires again in no time. And, and we just went, you know what, we don't want to do that again. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we just sort of went like total, total pivot and back to basics and going for things that meant more, uh, which were family connection, more time with family, and then also doing things that we love to do. And that was like that we lost touch of in those years. This was in our 20s that, that we were together and we had kids and everything. And I was 31, I think, when when it all went down. But, um, yeah, so it was like, okay, we'll just reassess. And that's what led us to where we are today. Wow. When you were then thinking, right, actually, maybe I could bring in some money by doing the cartoonist stuff, my illustration, but I always wanted to do when I was younger and then presumed that that couldn't be a job. Um, how did you go about finding those first clients? Um, well, at the very beginning, I did it in secret because we, when we decided that we were going to take off, um, like, you know, get our own boat and... Um, take off sailing the world we obviously needed an income and my job was to 
come up with an online business and so we could, you know, make income as we were traveling and, you know, location independent. And obviously with my experience with construction and interior design, I came up with the idea of um, consulting people who wanted to build a house because we had so much knowledge and we, we had made very good money doing it. And anyway, it was actually going quite well. Like I actually did set it up. I had a, you know, did the website. I actually got a grant from the government to do it. So I had, a, you know, a little bit of a, a hand, you know, financially to get it set up. It did actually start off actually quite well considering like how long internet businesses do take to, you know, you, you have to be patient obviously um, with the internet. But um, we did a lot of um, real life uh, you know, meet and greet with people at home at home shows and and stuff like that. So it did actually kick off quite well. Um, we were selling courses when courses weren't trendy on the internet. But after the funding stopped because they they funded me for a year and it was sort of like um, once that stopped, I was like, do I? Yeah, you know, because that obligation wasn't there anymore. From you know to kind of you know impress the 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 people who were funding that um, that business, I sort of thought to myself, I I absolutely hate doing this. <laughs> so it was like, you know, and I felt really guilty about it because people had faith in me and they they backed me and, uh, you know, my husband and my kids were relying on, on this thing. And so I was like, you know, oh, my God, like, I hate it, but I'm stuck. Like I can't, I can't, you know, and it was going well. So it's not like you can say, oh, well, okay, I've, I've given it a crack. It's failed and I'll do try something else because it was like, well, I've got no excuse because it is actually, it was gathering momentum and, uh, and, and income. And, but I was just like writing about asbestos one day and, uh, <laughs> you know, as ex- and trying to make it really exciting. And, and the, the hilarious part about it was that the, the bit I loved doing was the illustrating that went with it. So I did the, you know, came up with these really funny, you know, little cartoons of like asbestos, let sleeping dogs lie. And I had this cartoon of a dog lying down with a blanket on it saying asbestos and it was like, you know, you don't want to piss it off because, you know, you're going to get asbestosis if you start bashing into it. And, you know, so it was like, oh, I love that part, uh, that that aspect of um, blogging about the building industry. And also I had a mentor at the time who lived in the marina that we were staying in. She taught business at the nearby college and we'd meet once a week and have a few beers and just Gus, you know, uh, you know, how, you know, what else, because like, she had a lot of experience um, with this sort of thing. And then she, like, she noticed that I just got, like, talk about, you know, the, the cartooning side of my business. And she's like, Sarah, why don't you just do that? Like, you're obviously are really good at it and you love it and you don't like talking about the other stuff to do with, you know, the, um, your business. So, you know, and she's just, she, she just sort of said, like, just pointed out the obvious. And I was just like, oh, don't be silly. Like, you can't make money out of cartooning. It's just, you know, I just laughed it off. But she kept saying to me, you know, she was showing me all these things, like, hey, there's this thing on the internet that I subscribe to, like, their cartoon, like, like animated card, you know, Christmas cards or something like that. And she said, I think you could probably find something that you could do to make money. 
with your talents, with the with the cartooning. And so in, secretly, we I'd go <laughs> go on her boat once a week, and we would conspire how I could like get something going because I I wanted to have kind of like you know sort of step into the cartooning and have a bit of proof that, hey, look, I can actually make money out of this. Otherwise, you know, the family would be like, what are you doing? Like, you, you, you know, they'd be really upset about it. So I did a bit of experimenting on Twitter and what what I actually got a lot of, um, like, at the time, Twitter, as you probably remember, you, you can only just type, um, you know, do the, do the text and no images with it yeah so at the time like that I, I started doing stuff on Twitter it was just I was just like oh, I don't know what to write about like it was just so like because I like I knew I had to do you know the, the the social media building up followers and engaging and I was like every time I go on Twitter I'd be like oh my god I just like what am I gonna say like it's like you know oh, oh the weather is a bit rainy today or you know, so anyway, it was just, it was super complicated for me at first um, with social media, until they had the option to add uh, yeah, upload um, photos, which was like, oh my god, this is so much easier because I could just draw what I think or feel or or you know something funny or send people these little little. Uh, at the time, we you know I called them doodles, so I just like send them. These little, um, you know, personalised doodles. Uh, every time someone followed me, I would send them a thanks for following me drawing, and that was completely customised. It was, you know, pretty painstaking. Like I'd, I'd go into Twitter every day. I'd see who the new followers. I'd go to every single new follower and have a look at what they like, check their profile out. Like if they have a a pet dog that they love and they keep taking photos of it. I'd do that dog doing a little dance or something and saying, thanks for following me. And, and that was like, uh, like, you know, a, a real hit with everybody. And so everyone was like retweeting them and, and um, obviously not scalable, uh, not a scalable thing to do, but, um, and I had a lot of people sort of saying, yeah, what are you doing? Like, that's just like, you can't keep that up. It's not something scalable. And I'm like, no, nah, it doesn't matter. I, I, I love doing it and it's just a really great way to connect with people. And I was making loads and loads of great connections and I met, met a lot of people that, you know, like I, I started to do some stuff for them, uh, yeah, little jobs, not paying too much or doing free things just to, you know, get experience and, and then one day um, I, I sent a thanks for following me to the right person, which really got my foot in the door big time. Um, it, it was uh, the advertising agency that does T-Mobile's contract with social media. And so one of the girls um, from the agency, she I sent her a thanks for following me and she said she told everyone in the office, like, hey, follow this this uh, Sarah Steenland, she'll send you this cartoon back. Mm-hmm. And luckily I was like on the ball with it because sometimes I wasn't, you know, 100%, you know, responsive. But, you know, luckily that week I was, you know, really onto it and and everyone got this cartoon and they were all like, oh, this is so cool. And like they were just like really, really excited about it. And uh, which was quite funny because when they 
um, they, like, I actually thought it was a joke when I got the email asking, you know, you know, if I was interested and I was like, oh, it must be, um, you know, must be fake because <laughs> it just seemed like, like too good to be true. If you were interested in drawing for them? Um, drawing for T-Mobile, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you're like, this can't be <laughs> so, real. Yeah, I'm not sure. Do, do you know T-Mobile? Yeah. In, is it in the UK? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it used to be, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, because when I told people in Australia, they're, they're like, no I, no, I don't know who they are. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of like, that's another reason why I, I was I was a little bit sceptical because I'm like, I don't know who this company is and uh, yeah, I've never heard of them. So, anyway, I got on the call and they were like, chatting to me and I was like so nervous because like I mean I, I'm really quite um yeah I prefer to, to draw and not speak to anybody <laughs> <laughs> so there was quite a few on the conference call and they're like oh we're really big fans of yours and I'm like this is crazy <laughs> it was just so surreal to, to hear you know these people in the US telling me their fans through you know just I just sent them the thank you the little thank you note on a scrappy piece of paper and they were like really like you know you know would you be interested in in you know, cartooning for T-Mobile um uh, you know so it was like a proper contract you know for a year and I'm like oh yeah you know, I'll just have to think about this for a minute I'm just like <laughs> you know, peeing my pants and the back, you know, and they're just like uh, yeah, okay. And they were like, yay, they're really, really excited. And they're all like, yeah, kind of, you know, cheering and stuff. And I was like, this is so bizarre. It's just an amazing experience and such a unbelievable thing to happen at that point when I thought that, you know, you can't make money like drawing, um, especially cartooning. And so I started to get, you know, other jobs. So I wasn't completely exclusive to them. So I, did a cartoon for them once a week. They'd choose someone once a week and they'd send me the person who would get the cartoon. So it was their engagement campaign, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that ended up lasting three years. Whoa. <laughs> so, and that really allowed us to say, hey, we can take off and um, and start cruising and, uh, you know, because it's not, you know, once you – once you get on the move, it's it's actually quite cheap, um, as long as nothing breaks, nothing nothing major breaks. <laughs> we left Australia in 2015, and we went to Indonesia, uh, spent about six months there. It was an absolute um, anxiety rollercoaster ride <laughs> because I, I had my contract, um, you know, obviously to not break it. I had to deliver these cartoons. On a certain date, um, they actually had quite a good leeway for me, so it was actually really good that um, that I could plan where I'd be, uh, where, where there'd be internet and for the delivery, you know, to be able to send these images on time uh, because when before we left Australia, you hadn't, like, I didn't have any idea what the internet situation was in Asia, so it was... I, I was very, very nervous about that, and um, my husband's always like, "Yeah, no, everything's going to be great." Yeah, you know, he's like really, um, you know, they, you know, he's like a full-on optimist. And and like the places that we went to in Indonesia were extremely remote, uh, so that was like because I was like, "Oh, I don't think we should go up because there's like you know thousands and thousands of islands in Indonesia." 
And um, so he'd say, you know, oh, we're going to go up, you know, to Sulawesi, uh, which is a, a, a big island group um, sort of beside Borneo. And I'm like, oh, I don't know because, yeah, I've got to deliver these, you know, these, you know I have to meet my contract. And um, luckily enough, Indonesia was a big surprise because they basically skipped the whole landline uh, phone, uh, you know, set up. And they all just went, you know, digital, I mean, not digital, but, you know, mobile. Um, so there was a tower on literally on every single headland that we, <laughs> we sailed past. <laughs> so I was like, oh, there's another, another internet tower. So um, it actually had more coverage than Australia. So <laughs> it was um, quite, um, you know, it was a relief and quite amazing that, that you, you know, it's definitely possible and doable to have a location uh, independent business. Yeah. <laughs> by boat. So, by boat. <laughs> so this is three years that you've been doing that now of sailing around whilst freelancing and you set sail with T-Mobile giving you that safety net. <laughs> but how did yeah. you continue to like to sort of grow your, because, you know, it had been a secret, <laughs> you said up until then. So you've gone from secret to going, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm working for T-Mobile, uh, to how did you con- continue to sort of build your presence and get the work that you needed? Um, I, I have to say, like, like it, it's quite interesting when you look at it, like I'm at a point like where I don't rely on social media as much. Like my website is, uh, I think it's got enough backlinks and uh, yeah, sort of, I don't know, word of mouth, I guess as well. I get a lot of repeat customers um, from way back when I first started, which is pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple of conferences and met a lot of people. So I, I did do a lot, oh, not a lot, but some real-life networking. Like social media is amazing. Like I, you're getting yourself out there and I just put put a lot of my work out there frequently, uh, you know, in a fun way as well. It's not like a chore. Like, I'll, like if I see someone put something up on Facebook or Twitter and I think it's funny and I, I have an idea in my head like, you know, as a you know response to their post, I will take the time and, and draw it out and then send it to them. And, it, you know, it's not like thousands of people will see it, but just like one person will see it and then there's that connection. So it's sort of like I think I found that the personal connection has been like very, very effective for me mm. and, um, yeah, and then – just meeting people that are doing the same thing as me and then they want things like um, can you do me a logo or can you do me, um, uh, you know, I've got, I've got a conference coming up, I need um, name tags or, you know, so it's, it's, it's actually been very consistent and like nicely spread out as well, you know, like not too much at once or not too many gaps as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's been quite a wild journey, and I'm I'm always amazed that I'm able to do it. And one of the things that I, years ago that I I somehow discovered your comic that you did. So your website is based around your your work, obviously, but you you like create a regular cruisers type comic um, that you then email out to people, which I guess keeps that connection going as well. Was that something you started straight away? Um, no, I 
I wanted to tell my story as I travelled um, because there's there's so many amazing things that are happening as we like sail around. Um, so I did start to do these long form comics pretty much when we left Australia, but they were quite intensive and and they it just took me so long to do. So I've I've actually condensed it down to the the two panel comics that people who are in the sailing world they get it um and so it it actually evolved into trying to kind of please everybody which it, it, that's what you you tend to do when you first do stuff on the internet um cuz like you know I got to like yeah produce things that everyone's going to love and then I realized that you, you got to you know you hear you hear it over and over and over you got to find your your niche market and um, I think that was like a real struggle for me and even now I'm a little bit kind of um, in two minds with what, you know, what I put out there uh, for, you know, free content and to build an audience um, because I want to build a tribe but I've also got to try and get cartoon work as well. So it's like, I, I you know, like I don't, uh, sometimes I'm, I'm a bit confused on, uh, like, I want to showcase what I do, but I also want to connect with my tribe, which don't necessarily want to, um, you know, commission me to do a job. So it's just sort of evolved into uh, getting into connecting with the sailing community, mostly with those with the two panel comics, but also. Uh, it's a bit of a crossover because I am a digital nomad as well, so I get a lot of people interested that who uh, that who that are um, also travelling while working or interested in in that in doing that same thing. Mm. What's been the sort of biggest challenges that you've you've faced of being freelance? Um, just trying to have the energy to do everything because I have two children as well. Uh, one's 13 and she's listening in on, on this, you know, <laughs> on the interview. Um, she's having dinner right now. And my, I don't, I don't know where my son is. He's uh, probably doing some sort of animating or something. Cause he's, he's kind of into all that. Um, so I homeschool my kids. So trying to, Make sure they're they're okay and they're on track, and get my work done and do exercise and and then when we're on the boat, it's actually quite exhausting when you're on the water. So I find that on land I stay up quite late and and I I, I tend to come into my own at night time and I do a lot of work and I'm really productive and everyone's asleep so I don't have to worry about distractions and. So when we're on land, I'm 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 very productive with work, and when we're traveling, it's just like you just don't know what's what's around the corner. Literally, it's just like you got the wind in your face, and the and the yeah. You know, if it, if the if the weather is a bit sketchy and there's waves, and I can't work. It's it's you 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 get seasick if you if you try to do any kind of you know reading or or drawing or anything like that. So, yeah, it can be really hard. And then by the time we anchor, it's just like, you're just like a, a mess. And and he, he, I go, you know, we all go to bed about eight o'clock when when we're 
traveling. So, <laughs> yeah, so I think that, that that's a big struggle and I have to really push through. Like if I have a deadline, if I'm just absolutely wrecked, I will have to force myself to just get it done. And usually once I start, uh, like I'll put some music on or something and, you know, I'll, I'll um, you know, I'll push through it. But it, it's, you know, it's lucky that I love it. Um, actually, one of the, one of the funny sto- funniest stories that uh, to do with trying to deliver a, uh, it was actually the T-Mobile job that I had to deliver on time. Um, I had timed it to, to, like I had a couple of days, but I knew that we were going to be in um, Borneo. At the time, I, I think because it, it was like a four-night trip. And so I was on a routine of napping during the day, um, you know, like so we had four hours on, four hours off. And I woke up to the smell of smoke and it's like the worst thing that you can wake up to on, well, one of the worst things you can wake up to on, on a boat apart from water coming up over the top of you. <laughs> um, so I, I smelt it and I just just bolt upright and just like, oh, my God, the boat's on fire. Um, and it was just like in absolute panic and I, I stuck my head out of the companionway and the whole outside was just smoke. Like you could not see two feet in front of the boat. It was just white. And I'm just totally, you know, like my eyes were wide open, just like what's going on? Like what, what's happening? Is the boat on fire? And um, and my husband's like, um, I think that Borneo is burning, and the <laughs> which it was actually. It was like what it, 2015 was one of the really big um, years that they just totally, uh, you know, decimated low, like you know hundreds of acres of rainforest, and uh, for palm oil plantation and so my husband's like we got two choices should we just keep going I think we're about a day off making it to the island or we turn around and go somewhere else and I was thinking to myself oh god like what am I gonna do I'm gonna I'm not gonna make my my delivery of of the file yeah because it would have been another few days to get to get somewhere else where there was internet and, you know, it was like this whole, like, dilemma, like, okay, well, well, we can't see anything and we have radar, but it's still very, it's just, there's a lot of boats that don't actually have radar in Indonesia, so I was very, very reluctant to to proceed to Borneo. But I didn't want to obviously lose my contracts. <laughs> so my husband said, well, we've got a faint internet connection so perhaps if we put the mobile phone in a dry bag and hoist it up the mast <laughs> um <laughs> maybe we we might because I, I think we we're a bit closer than a day because we obviously had some some you know connection uh so I was like yeah well I'll try anything so <laughs> we did that <laughs> so we put the phone because I tether off my phone uh, to my at the time, I was using my laptop for work, and now I use an iPad, uh, iPad Pro, and Apple Pencil. And yeah, so we hoisted it up, and I, I had connection. But at that point, we had turned the boat around, and we were actually heading away from the island. So 
I could see the bars going down. I'm like try like just watching the the file trying to sink, you know, into you know, to load into the folder so they could get the get the file in time. And it just made it as we were <laughs> sailing away from Borneo. So I thought that was just like, oh, that's just classic. So yeah. <laughs> Jeez, like, the, you know, when my broadband goes down, I walk down the road to a coffee shop. That's like, it's I'm three days. <laughs> Waste the phone. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Man, what a life you've made for yourself. That, yeah, that you, I mean, you never even thought that you'd get to do the drawing. And, mm. and yet here you are, uh, sailing with your family. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just blows my mind. It's such an amazing thing to be able to do. Yeah, and I think like it, it's it's so strange that you basically having to make it up as you go because no, you can't really kind of you know, like read up about it. Like someone else has done this, mm. or um, like I it just it's just basically winging it the whole time because like you know uh, you know we're a family of four, and so that makes it a little bit harder because a lot of digital nomads only really have to help you know support themselves so I have to support four people and we live on a boat so that's another thing that you don't you know come across that often um and so it's like you know so you're kind of like kind of making it in a way more complicated but more unique in experiences because it's just like you know what? You you just couldn't have done that ten years ago, or mm. you know, it's just, it's kind of it, it is it it. I find that that part, even though it is quite exhausting, and and you know, because we we change countries quite a lot. With I guess that's you know same as a lot of um, people traveling, but it's just like you know you're just troubleshooting all the time. You know you got to get you know this sorted, that sorted, and um, uh, you know. But it, I I think that. It's exhausting, but I think it it actually is so amazing that that's what we kind of, you know, keep going for because you just think, look at all the stuff that we've done in one year, for instance, and all the places and all the things that have happened and all the amazing experiences and, you know, like we just talk about it, you know, nothing quite much happens when we're back in Australia, which is you know, we're just like, oh my god, this is so easy, and um, you know, just to do your laundry on the boat <laughs> is like a, it's just a, like a, you know, it's just an ordeal and an adventure at the same time. So, <laughs> wow. Now, uh, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie, and let me f- figure out the lie. All right, here we go. I nearly died from dengue fever. I nearly died. From by a coconut falling on my head and I nearly died from rabies being bitten by a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been a while since we've had a nice, cheerful, I nearly died. Okay, nearly died, (laughs) nearly died. Um, How do you catch dengue fever? Um, When we were in Sumatra, it was a rainy season and um, I contracted it. And, uh, yeah, I nearly died because it was a hemorrhagic strain so you you're yeah you, you can bleed to death or go into shock so i had to be flown out to the nearest hospital 
in Malaysia. Yeah, it took a couple of months or so to recover from that. You nearly died where, when a coconut fell on your head, which is the you know the classic nightmare of anybody living on beautiful <laughs> islands. Where, where yeah. was that? Uh, that was up at um, uh, Murray Island on the, near the tip of Australia, the, near the Cape of Australia. So it was actually like the most remote place that you could possibly be in Australia to be heli, heli evacuated out. So it was like... What? Um, you? It was so bad that you had to be airlifted yeah. again? Uh, no, no, it was, a, it was a possibility of being airlifted oh, right. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you got bitten by a dog and caught mm. rabies. Well, possibility of having rabies in Penang. Uh, on the boatyard there was wild dogs that live around there and they, 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 yeah, they're wild. So you, you can't, you know, pat them or anything. And I was feeding one of the puppies and one of the puppies was stealing the other puppy's food. And I was like trying to break the dogs up. Um, but the mother thought that I was hurting the dogs cause I was, you know, fighting and, um, and the, the mother dog was behind me. So it ran up and jumped on my back and, um, took a big chunk out of my butt and my back. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, what don't I... But these all sound very believable. And yet... <laughs> and yet... The one that sounds least believable, because it sounds like something that only happens in films, is the coconut. So I'm going to say the coconut is the lie. Get <laughs> there. No! <laughs> the coconut was true. So what's the lie? Yeah, rabies. Yeah, yeah, rabies yeah. is the lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the coconut one, that that was like, that was a, probably the closest I've been to being killed and it was probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. One one thing I was wondering, right? Very early on in this tale, you mentioned about a friend of yours, like a, almost like a business mentor that you would meet. Have you had anything like that since? Like, is there is all your community basically the sailing community, or do you have other freelancing, sort of entrepreneurial type, you know, business friends supporting you as well? Yeah, I I do have um, a couple that that actually were around very early on. I think they kind of just, you know, saw something in me and they could see that I was trying to give it a real, a real go. And, and I think they, they just went, Hey, you know, like this, you know, this girl just won't give up. And a couple of them are coaches and, um, and I'm, I've never paid for their, their coaching or anything but they want to chat to me and kind of you know I guess help out and um, sometimes I will try and get you know like when things are a bit tough I, I turn to them for advice and they just give it you know basically mentoring me for free because because they really like me I guess and you know because we, we, we connect and um, so yeah I've had a few really great people like that and um you know I, I wish i could connect with them more and meet them in person and you know maybe maybe i will someday 
Yeah. Um, one one lady I'll, I'll have to you know sort of give her credit. Um, Diane Valentine, she's really amazing. Like she's just like really genuine. You know, she doesn't sort of push you. She just wants people to be the best or what they're good at, I guess. And like she's always been there, you know, kind of cheering me on. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's awesome. It's nice. Yeah. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Um, probably don't have so much anxiety about. <laughs> about it and don't rely on the social media likes and and you know so much like it doesn't mean much in the beginning because if you if you only have a few followers then it's just going to take some time to build up a following because that's the worst thing I think when you're starting out because you're starting from scratch and you you don't have an audience basically. So, you know, the best thing that I did do was to network with people and connect with people early on. And I did do that, which was, was, was good, but there's, there was still always that emotional roller coaster ride when you wake up in the morning and you check how many likes you got on something or, you know, like on that you put up on Facebook. And, and that was always a little bit of a turn off for me to keep pushing because it was just like that, like that rejection thing, which I'm I've never been really good with. Um, but you know, I think that's the thing. It's just just keep going, just keep going. Yeah. yeah. And luckily, I did did keep going in spite of those, you know, that rejection feeling that I had quite a lot of. <laughs> well, we're so glad you did. You can check out what Sarah is up to as always at beingfreelance.com. We link through to each guest, so their social media, but also their website. So make sure you go take a look, check out Sarah's work. And I'll put an extra link to your, because you reminded me when you said about how you used to do the scrolling cartoons and I used mm. to love them. Um, even if they were a nightmare for you to do, they were brilliant. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I found earlier on the one to do with you describing what it was like to be a digital nomad um, yeah 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 digital nomadness was the post <laughs> <It> yeah <laughs> so i will i will put a direct link through to that as well and it's it's a yeah it's really really worth taking a look at um sarah thank you so much uh, uh, i'm so glad we managed to catch you on dry land even if nothing else is happening i'm glad this managed to and, uh, <laughs> good luck with your adventures when you're when you're back on board yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for catching me while I had my guard down so you could finally <laughs> get to chat with me. It's taken years, but I'm glad we did. I know, I know, yeah. And if, and if anyone wants to contact me, you know, by email, if they want to know any questions or anything about doing anything, I'm always free to, you know, connect with people because that you know, is key to to being freelance for sure that's awesome uh, Sarah thanks so much and all the best being freelance thank you thank you